Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Sports Crutch with D-Crom. I am your host, David Cromelo, and we, believe it or not, are already headed into the final quarter of the 2016 NFL season, and an interesting, interesting landscape is taking shape. We uh, Is there a clear Super Bowl favorite this year? I'm not really sure. Uh, and we got some brutal, brutal, brutal injuries to some key players this past week, and will that determine whether or not their respective teams make the Super Bowl? And will there, are there any sleeper teams we should be keeping our eyes on these final four weeks? A lot of different possibilities await us these next four weeks. And to join me to talk about the potential scenarios that will unfold in the National Football League these next three weeks is the man in the box himself, Mr. Chris Broadhead. How are you doing today, Chris? Hey, I'm doing great. Excited to be here, David. Excited to have you on the show. Thank you for um, uh, donating your time and your talents to the program today. And uh, now let's get started with the news out of last night in Seattle. Yes, the Seahawks uh, shellacked the defending NFC champion Carolina Panthers 40-7, but it came at a terrible, terrible price. Earl Thomas, all-pro safety, uh, arguably the linchpin of the Legion of Boom, the straw that stirs that drink. That is the Seahawks' uh, legendary secondary is out for the season with a tibia fracture, and that could be the difference in whether or not the Seahawks reach the Super Bowl. But that wasn't the only major injury in the NFL this past week. Rob Gronkowski, uh, arguably the the biggest mismatchup nightmare for opposing NFL defenses in generations. Uh, is out for the year after undergoing yet another back operation. That's the third back surgery he's undergone in his football uh, playing career. So it uh, throws a wrench into the title hopes and the super, and the hopes of even getting to the Super Bowl of both the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, I'm going to wonder, what injury do you think um, uh, is more detrimental to the potential success of the team going forward? Is it Earl Thomas's injury or Gronk's injury? Um, I, I gotta say, uh, Gronkowski, but I might be biased cause I'm a, I'm a big Gronk fan and, uh, it, it just seems like the, the offense for the Patriots is completely different without him. Um, and, and I think it remains to be seen if, uh, um, who's their other tight end? Uh, he used to play uh, for the Bears. Martellus Bennett. Martellus Bennett. I, I think it still remains to be seen if, if he's a, a viable, uh, replacement for, for Gronk. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on it, David? I actually would say Earl Thomas is the one that hurts the most because wow. Earl Thomas is that r- rare breed that can go sideline to sideline within the blink of an eye. He can cover forty yards within the blink of an eye. He runs like he shot him out of out of a cannon, and he fits that description better than any other uh, safety I, I could think of in recent memory. Earl Thomas has already put together a Hall of Fame caliber resume in his uh, it is seven seasons in the National Football League. And and he is that key last line of defense. Like when a, a, a play has a potential to get explosive, who stops it um, uh, to prevent it from uh, being uh, for, from hurting the defense too much? It's Earl Thomas. The Seahawks have lost that last line of defense in the middle of the field, covering tight ends, making sure passes... Uh, making sure those dangerous weapons get neutralized at, at, at least. But he is going to be sorely missed, and teams have a have another clear win. Their playbook against that Seahawks defense is open infinitely more 
uh, that that and yes, the the Patriots playbook is worn down without Gronk, but Martellus Bennett, even though he might not be Gronk, he is still an athletic freak. He could still he's a still a do it all tight end like Gronk. He could block. He could make uh, the spectacular catches. He's a red zone matchup nightmare for defenses. And on the other end, you look at the Seahawks. Who do they have replaced Earl Thomas? Steven Terrell's just a guy in my opinion. He, he's going to be the guy filling Earl Thomas's shoes. And yes, you can scheme all you want around it, but the Patriots have a better tool to scheme around Gronk's absence in Martellus Bennett than the Seahawks do. Hmm. No, that's that's a really good point. Um, have have the Seahawks ever been without Earl Thomas? No, he until uh, week twelve against Tampa. Earl Thomas had never missed a game in his entire career. He suffered a mild uh, hamstring strain um, in their win against Philadelphia in week eleven, and uh, and he missed the game against Seattle. But he he was able to return to the field last night against the Panthers. But that's where he suffered that season-ending. Uh, fractured tibia so uh that uh so so essentially this is the first time he's grown accustomed to getting uh to getting injured mm-hmm. how old is earl thomas he, he, he's 27 but i'm sure you heard about the cryptic tweet he sent last night yeah i did I, i'm potentially thinking about retirement but but for what it's worth he followed that tweet up by saying cam you owe me a steak LOL. So he might have been just joking around, but it's it, this, this is uncharted territory for him in his career. He's finally realizing that he cannot uh, that he that he that he like everybody else has an expiration date on mm-hmm. his career. Mm-hmm. Um, how long do elite uh, safeties typically last? I'm not really sure. I'm not a, an expert in uh, in in health in, in in sports health, but uh, I'll tell you. Like the defensive talent we've seen come into the league this decade is rarefied air. You rarely see safeties like Earl Thomas. You rarely get pass rushers like Vaughn Miller and Khalil Mack. You rarely get uh, get do-it-all uh, defensive linemen like J.J. Watt, athletic freaks. These guys are generational players and have come into the league on the defensive side of the football this year. That's why we have seen a defensive renaissance in the past several years uh, when it comes to th- that side of the football, and uh, that's um, that's all I could say. Um, uh, there's no replacing Earl Thomas, no replacing any of those guys I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, what uh, what's your uh, prediction for how the Seahawks fare without him? Do they do they still have a chance? I would say they do, but it is up to Russell Wilson and that offense to play the way like more like they did last night. They have to stay healthy on offense. They got to get the ball into the hands of, well, obviously Jimmy Graham, who's having a comeback player of the year type year after coming off of that uh, devastating uh, toward patellar tendon injury last year. But he also got Tyler Lockett, who scored a touchdown on a 70-some-odd-yard reverse uh, yesterday, and he's an underrated weapon in that offense. And obviously he got Doug Baldwin as well. And Russell Wilson has to stay healthy, but it, but that offensive line scares the crap out of me. It... Uh, it, that offensive line is arguably the worst offensive line in the NFL. And if Russell Wilson continues to get hit more often than not these uh, final four weeks of the season, uh, and he pays a price with it for his health, it goes into the playoffs less than 100%. They're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. It's going to be up to their offense. I still think they win their division. There's still a very, very good chance that they get a first round bye, but. I think, uh, barring a catastrophe, the road to Super Bowl 51 in the NFC goes through Arlington, Texas. <laughs> yeah, and that uh, that seems to have a lot to do with their uh, stellar offensive line. 
Oh, absolutely. And uh, one of the main themes this year, it, it, it's been going out in football the, the past several years, is it's not just the decline of the quarterback, the quality of the quarterback play that has, in my opinion, hurt ratings this year. It's the decline in quality of offensive line play. Uh, the, the new collective bargaining agreement, the spread offenses in college, it's making the transition from college to pro exponentially harder for offensive linemen and quarterbacks. And, uh, and, uh, and and we see the, and we see the results of that. Like you could count like only nine or ten teams have a pr- a proven bona fide franchise quarterback that they can build their team around for a decade or so, and the rest of their teams are just kidding themselves. And when you look at offensive line, it's even worse. I can only think of two offensive lines in, in, in football right now: the Cowboys and the Oakland Raiders that have that ha- that don't have too many we- who don't have a weak. Uh, who barely have any weaknesses, if not no weaknesses at all on the offensive line, and the rest of the offensive line are average to below average to to downright awful. And it and two of those teams that I mentioned, the Cowboys and Raiders, they're there where they are for a reason because they have an offensive line that gives their quarterbacks all day to throw and gives their running backs enough holes so they can not only score a lot of points if they need to, but they can eat up the clock. To, and both those teams have suspect defenses to keep that defense off the field. And we are going to find out this playoffs what's more important in today's NFL, a elite offensive line or an elite defense. I say it's a toss-up. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that that's a really interesting point. Um, if you were a manager and you were building a team today, would you spend your your first and second round draft picks on on good linemen? That's the hard part. Off, the offensive line position in college is it becoming increasingly more difficult to evaluate, and and early indications from uh, a lot of uh, from, from a lot of reports, like uh, uh, like a. Earlier in the season, and I don't think the sentiment has changed, Matt Miller of Bleach Report, Matt Miller is the NFL uh, draft uh, lead writer at Bleach Report. He spoke to a number of, he speaks to NFL scouts weekly, and the scouts told him that they can't think of one offensive tackle that they would draft in the first round this year. The college systems just make uh, them very hard to project to the pros and, and what they do to pros. It's a world of difference in technique and how to play the game from college to the pros, and that's why uh, you have to be very careful when uh, scouting offensive linemen. And the Dallas Cowboys, uh, obviously thanks to a great scouting department and good investment in the first round, they found they drafted three of their the, the three main studs on that offensive line as first round picks from 2011 to 2014. And uh, and I think the the thing is is that Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, and uh, Zach Martin, all three uh, those three guys. Um, played in pro-style systems in college, so they had an easier transition to the pros. But the vast majority of, uh, of college teams don't, 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 do not uh, teach uh, – they, they aren't taught the way those three were in college, I should say. And that's why you got to be very careful. And I think that pool is going to get worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, – I didn't even realize that. So, um, I mean, obviously that was a, a big part of the, the Cowboys – uh, plan of the last few years. Do you have any idea how they evaluated offensive linemen? Because it, it seems to have worked amazingly well. I'm not a scout, but uh, and I but I plan to speak to a lot of them in the coming months as we get closer to the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. But the Dallas Cowboys, if you look at their history, this was the exact same formula that one of them was in the 1990s. Elite offensive line, an elite running back, Smith, and he got a above average 
a Hall of Fame quarterback and Troy Aiden had a Hall of Fame wide receiver, Michael Irvin. That's their same formula today. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, who is going to, who is just, this is only the beginning of a, what I hope is a long career in the NFL for him. Dak Prescott, who I think has the potential to grow into a bona fide franchise quarterback and that offensive line. Similar recipe to those offenses of the 90s, but the only difference was, and we'll talk about this later, those 90s Cowboys teams had stud defenses too, and I'm not sure that this Cowboys team has that defense. Uh, so uh, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. It seems like whenever, whatever team they play, they, they kind of just score at will. Yes, and I think a lot of that is due to the offensive line because as mm-hmm. much as I like Dak Prescott, and I don't mean to knock him, I always thought that Dak would become a starter in, in the National Football League. I thought he had some great gifts to work around. and uh, But a major weakness that befuddled scouts in college was that when – his offensive lines were bad in college. He tended to uh, uh, panic a little too much under pressure. But now, that, but this offensive line masks those deficiencies, and Dak uh, has more freedom because of that offensive line to play up to the best of his abilities and his potential. And that's why his growth has been faster than all the other rookie quarterbacks this year. Mm-hmm. Right. A big reason why Dak might just be gifted um, all along. But I, I was high on Dak coming out of college, but he has exceeded almost everybody's expectations so far this year. And at least part of that, it has to be due to his offensive line. Mm-hmm. Right, right. No, I, I totally agree. Um, what What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, a, a parallel universe where Romo didn't get hurt and he uh, started the whole season? Uh, did they have the same record? It's quite possible they do because, of, because Zeke Elliott's the real deal. And if Romo stayed healthy, there's no reason why Romo would have been able to uh, – uh, I'll run the offense just as effectively as Prescott behind that offensive line, health permitting. But back to your point about evaluating offensive linemen, I think the Cowboys have a lot of those same scouts, or at least some of those same scouts they had in the 90s when they drafted uh, Hall of Famers, like uh, the Hall of Fame guard like Larry Allen, or that offensive line with Mark Stepnowski, Mark Tuane, uh, Eric Williams, you name it, the great Waldales in the 90s. There's something about the Cowboys that, uh, that makes them evaluate quarterbacks and offensive linemen better than all, than most other teams in the league. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I suppose. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm I'm sure a lot of other teams are are studying exactly what they're doing and uh, planning to grow their yeah. offensive line as well. And I I think that's uh, yes. And if the Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl and or win the Super Bowl, I think that is going to be a new trend that they will start the National Football League. And the same with the Raiders. The, their offensive line is the best offensive line not named the Cowboys, clearly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just look at that interior offensive line. Two, in my opinion, all pro caliber guards. Gabe Jackson, Kalecchio, Osemele, and Rodney Hudson at center. That interior offensive line, I think uh, – uh, well, well, the only thing that sets the Cowboys apart from Raiders is their tackle. Tyron Smith is the best left tackle in the game on the Cowboys. And yes, uh, Donald Penn is a very good player, but he's not as good as Tyron Smith. But both of those teams have the, the best interior offensive lines in, in the National Football League. With Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, and what's even scarier, Lyle Collins is coming back for the Cowboys in a week or so. And he adds another dimension to that offensive line, too. And that, with those other guys I just mentioned in Oakland, those interior guys prevent a quarterback's worst nightmare, which is pressure up the middle. And that, I think, is that linchpin, uh, the, the linchpin to those two offensive lines. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, that's a really interesting uh, point that, that both the Cowboys and the Raiders are arguably the two best teams in the NFL right now. 
um, both have the best offensive lines. Chris, you you just take me into our next question. And speaking <laughs> of the Raiders, we have a huge game coming up on Thursday night at mm-hmm. Arrowhead Stadium. The Oakland Raiders might be 10-2, and two, but those Kansas City Chiefs are quietly one game behind them, and the Chiefs beat the Chiefs beat the Raiders earlier this year, and the Chiefs remind me of a certain team who won the Super Bowl last year for some reason. And that this game at Arrowhead Stadium, in my opinion, will decide who wins the AFC West. And I kind of have a feeling that the Chiefs' defense, now at full strength, could very well be the kryptonite of this Raiders to this Raiders' offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they definitely slowed down the the Falcons. Yes, uh, yes, they did, and uh, and and what's scary about it was that uh, 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 Justin Houston's just getting started. That was only a second game back, and he and he and and, and they have three pass rushers to, to unleash on Derek Carr. So the Raiders' offensive line has to be very careful. That's going to be a fun matchup to watch. And now, uh, well, let's. Uh, Continue on with the preview of uh, Thursday night's uh, blockbuster matchup. Uh, do you think Derek Carr should be the league MVP? Um, I mean, judging from a, a purely fantasy perspective, I, I would say yeah. I mean, the you know I, I'm totally out of playoffs now, uh, in in big part due to uh, Julio Jones not not really uh, showing up. I think he's injured, uh, but the the guy who's leading our league right now has. Um, the the Raiders quarterback, so I, I think uh, I think he's he's got a good good chance at, at MVP. What what are your thoughts? Uh, I think Derek Carr is definitely one of the two uh, players to be considered for league MVP. The other, believe it or not, right now I would say is uh, Zeke Elliott or Matthew Stafford, and we'll talk about Matthew Stafford in just a little bit. But a key Adam Schefter yesterday tweeted a important uh, under the radar stat. That I think uh, is speaks volumes about uh, Derek Carr's season and why he should be highly considered for league MVP. Look at his or look at these numbers. While trailing in the second half for overtime this season, Derek Carr has thrown 13 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. Think about that. Wow. It, it, talk about make pushing all the right buttons when they need to be pushed the most. And Derek Carr, those numbers prove that he has done it better than anybody in this league this year. Albeit Matthew Stafford uh, has quietly done something very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um, I mean, he's, he's really put on an, an impressive performance and it's fun to watch. Um, and, and I'm also thinking of uh, when he hurt his, his pinky on, uh, on his throwing hand and the whole team just like lost their minds. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, because the Raiders would be nowhere without Derek Carr right now. Absolutely not. And uh, he and Khalil Mack, those two draft picks, it's amazing how much those two draft picks have brought that franchise back to relevancy and then some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've they've been terrible since uh, since they were in the Super Bowl in 2 against my Bucks, who decimated them. Yeah, but uh, those days are over and the Raiders are back and uh, playing like the Raiders of old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the the Bucks are kind of back too. What do you have any thoughts on uh, on Jameis and and the the rest of the Bucks? The Bucks are getting hot at just the right time. They really mm-hmm. are. Uh, 
Jameis, yes, he still has his uh, issues to fix. Like he, he's, he still has, he, he is, many people call him the next Eli Manning. And I think that is a fantastic comparison for Jameis because one minute he makes some of the best plays in the world and the next play he makes, uh, he, he throws an interception that makes you scratch your head and go, what the hell was he thinking? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, having a, a guy like Mike Evans in the passing game and a Doug Martin in the running game when healthy, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, those are two very important weapons for him. And, uh, and his underrated mobility helps him behind a average at best offensive line, in my opinion, that is very bad in pass protection, I would say. And uh, their defense has, uh, although it's still far from elite, uh, they have quietly become very serviceable, like with the rookie season Noah Spence is putting in uh, at the uh, defensive end. He's given a jolt to their pass rush, and uh, Vernon Hargraves, uh, their rookie corner from Florida, is uh, turning into that uh, that shutdown corner for them, or, 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 or elite slot corner, which I think is even, uh, just as important position in today's NFL. Uh, so, uh, yeah, their defense is quietly um, – uh, become uh, a respectable unit that opponents uh, shouldn't take for granted anymore. And it's going to be a tight race between them and the Atlanta Falcons for the uh, NFC South crown. Mm -hmm. Any prediction on who takes it? Uh, I would say I would give a slight edge to the Falcons because of their schedule. Like the Falcons have two borderline cupcake games. Yes, there are no cupcakes in the NFL, but these are as close to cupcakes as you could get for the Falcons. They play the Rams in LA next week and the following week they play the San Francisco 49ers. So they have, and the, and the Bucks have it pretty dif, uh, difficult. I think they beat the New Orleans Saints at home next week, but obviously you can't uh, take Drew Brees lightly, especially coming off a bad performance. And it's unfair to expect Drew Brees to throw up two clunkers in a row, but they should win that game. But the biggest test will be week 15 Sunday night in Dallas or Arlington to be more uh, ge geographically correct there. Uh, so with them playing the Cowboys will be a huge test of where they are. Mm -hmm. how, how do you think they fare against the Cowboys? I think that, that Cowboys defense is the thing that worries me the most. They have, they do not have a pass rush of any kind. And, uh, and, the, and their defense, uh, the reason why their their defensive weaknesses have been masked for the most part is because the Cowboys' offense controls the ball uh, uh, um, for most of the game. And uh, the, the Buccaneers' defense, I think, will play a big role in them winning the game by getting some key stops. But when the Bucs are on offense, they have to take advantage of that Cowboys' defense every drive, attack them where they are weakest, which is uh, on in the vertical passing game, but Javis Winston is going to, they're going to have to have him let it rip uh, the passing game. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, I saw some interesting stats about Mike Evans that uh, oh. I think it was his first three seasons are, are on par with, uh, I want to say Jerry Rice and Randy Moss. <laughs> oh. uh, well, uh, it, it's a little too early to, to tell whether Mike Evans will end up at the extra year, but the potential is clearly there. Uh, he is just a, a freakish athlete. Like, who runs uh, four, uh, uh, almost sub 4-4 four, four, um, uh, 40 times and is like 6-5? Uh, he, he's a very rare specimen, and, uh, and, and he had the year I expected him to have this year. That's why he 
it's in two of my fantasy leagues. So, uh, well, enough about Mike Evans for now. Let's go back to that uh, Chiefs-Raiders uh, game. And uh, we, we just talked about Derek Carr. Let's talk about the Chiefs. The Chiefs, yes, their, their quarter, Alex Smith is not the sexiest quarterback around, that's for sure. And it's important to know that if you look at stats, they'll, you'll say, oh, geez, how are the Chiefs doing so well right now? Well, it's important to know that earlier in the season, a lot of their key players were hurt, like Justin Houston uh, was was hurt, and he was out until this these past uh, this past uh, month when he returned, and uh, and the Chiefs have picked it up. And they, but but the key is is that they just find ways to win. They don't have a uh, the most explosive offense, but. Their defense at full strength, plus their ability to make key plays at, at the right time, like we saw yesterday with Eric Berry, with the pick six and the pick two, which decided the game, plus the fake punt that was running for a touchdown by Albert Wilson. And uh, the Chiefs, it's it's a very similar recipe that the Denver Broncos used in 2015. I wouldn't sleep on this Chiefs team at all to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, if not win the Super Bowl this year, because the Broncos proved such a formula could work last year, and I think the Chiefs are doing the same thing this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they uh, they're they're very exciting. I, I love their their play calls. That that fake punt was, I mean, it worked. So obviously, it's brilliant, and the. Uh, the the pick two I, I don't think I've ever seen that before that was uh, that was well, it, very exciting. Well, it was a block PAT to uh, by the Broncos over the Saints several weeks ago, so we mm-hmm. saw something kind of similar, same basic rule, different play. But uh, right, right, yeah, and and that's uh that's a relatively new rule change, right? Yes, it's only two years old, and that is one of the few rule changes I have appreciated in the NFL in recent years. I'll mm-hmm. tell. You. I, I agree. I, I think that's well, what's more exciting than than running something back a hundred yards and you get two points, oh, especially in your hometown. Two years when you were after you were in that hometown to get treatment for Hodgkin's lymphoma. Eric oh, Berry, yeah. uh, what a, what a feel good story that was I yesterday. Love and love to hear that. Yeah, and it will be even fitting for for him if he gets to raise that Lombardi Trophy in similar fashion uh, in months. But my my point is, uh, you agree with me about the Chiefs? I think the Chiefs uh, do have a lot of potential as Super Bowl contenders because look at them. They they came back from on the road against Carolina. They're the way they attacked the Broncos' defense in that thrilling overtime victory a couple weeks ago. Was I was like, why weren't they doing that all game? <laughs> they have the weapons to take advantage of the de- weaknesses of this year's Bron- uh, Broncos defense with Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Uh, they have some underrated weapons capable of delivering those home runs on offense exactly when they need it, and uh, that's exactly what propelled them to vi- propel them victory in that game, and what has helped them victory all season long, as I alluded to. So, uh, so I think the Kansas City Chiefs. Getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs, we have the roll through the Super Bowl Fifty One of the AFC going through Arrowhead is far from out of the question. Would you mm-hmm. say? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think um, you know one of the most important aspects of that is just the the coaching of Andy Reid. I think he's really um, sort of under the radar coaching his 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 brains out. He, he's making good decisions and catching teams off guard, and and I'm really really impressed with what he's doing. Yes, and uh, he's he's definitely pushing the right buttons as of this moment. And uh, Chiefs fans can only hope that he has learned from his mistakes in the past. And uh, 
and it appears he is. He's he's calling more aggressive play calls, especially mm-hmm. when they need to be called. Yes, he's trying to play it safe early in games, but he is uh, definitely um, taking more risks as he should, and I think that's a big reason why the Chiefs. What is your prediction? Who do you think wins this Thursday night, Raiders or Chiefs? Uh, I mean, you make a you make a really good case for the Chiefs, but I, I think the Raiders just have too much momentum and too much moxie right now. I, I think uh, I think they take it. Derek Carr is just playing playing too good to be stopped right now, and and I want them to win. I I, I like the Raiders more. <laughs> I respectfully disagree with you, Derek. Hey. I think the Raiders' weaknesses on defense and their pass defense will be exposed with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. They'll make just they'll make enough plays for the Chiefs and that defense now at full strength. And keep in mind they were without Justin Houston earlier in the year, and they held the Raiders to to like uh, only 14 points or something like that in Oakland. And now it's at Arrowhead. The crowd noise is going to be on their side. I take the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday, and I predict them to win the division because of the game. I respect that choice. I would not be surprised if that's exactly what happens. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders pull it off, too, because they've been in some tight games as well. But it should be a very close game on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I will give that to you as well. And yep. uh, now moving on to our the next uh, point of discussion here. Um, we have tonight's game, uh, Monday Night Football game. Uh, not really the best matchup, but it does have some serious playoff implications as the Indianapolis Colts travel to MetLife Stadium to take on the uh, reeling New York Jets, and the, if the Indianapolis Colts win tonight, there will be a three-way tie for first place atop the AFC South. The Texans, with their loss at Green Bay, have fell to six and six yesterday. The Tennessee Titans, who had a bye this week, are six and six. And if the Colts win tonight, they will be six and six. So, in a division that got everybody hyped up because of all the free agency acquisitions earlier, it's actually about to be a ho-hum division, but we could be headed for quite a finish in that division. Who do you see ending up winning that division? Um, I, I'm trying to figure out a scenario where they all lose, but I, I don't think that's mathematically possible. So i got to go with the, the best quarterback and, and pick the, the Colts. That is a fair prediction, but... I am going to go out on a limb and say the Tennessee Titans because the Tennessee Titans with their exotic smash mouth offense that and Marcus Mariota turning into a star before our very eyes, DeMarco Murray uh, having a career season reminiscent of the career season he had uh, two years ago, albeit it might not show up in the total yards, but he's playing uh, like a running like a man possessed like he was with the Cowboys two years ago. December is meant for running the ball. And their exotic smash mouth uh, style of play, I think, will uh, uh, gives them a great chance to to win that division. I wouldn't be shocked out of my shoes if it was Indy or Houston. It's very close, but th- there's something brewing in Tennessee right now, and it's very special. I feel it. Mm-hmm. No, they're they're very fun to watch. They're they're super explosive, and Mariota is just uh, I really like um, how he's developing. Um, what what are your feelings on uh, the the QB situation in Houston? Uh, as a Broncos fan, what are the upside? What are the upsides of this year is that we didn't pay Brock Osweiler that money. <laughs> I feared after watching him in the preseason that we would regret letting him go, but uh, he's proven to be even worse than he was last year, uh, and. Uh, the Texans have appeared to have gotten fool's gold with Brock Osweiler. And uh, 
Uh, and yes, I'm grateful for what Brock did to help uh, my Broncos win the Super Bowl last year. He won some very important games for us, but uh, he, his his extraordinarily limited skill set, uh, his inability to to see the field and read the defense, his habits of, of of checking down all the time, not throwing past the sticks. It's it's just mind boggling, and uh, and and they're wasting a lot of talent on that offense with like Will Fuller, obviously DeAndre Hopkins, and. Lamar Miller, uh, a lot of talent being wasted on that offense due to uh, a below-average quarterback like Osweiler. How, how do you think the the Texans missed uh, all the deficiencies with Brock Osweiler? Well, they say the NFL is a quarterback-driven league. It is not. It is a quarterback-desperate league. And the Texans <laughs> were like encouraged by like Osweiler's two performances in the games against the Patriots and the Bengals last year, which helped the Broncos uh, to home field advantage in the AFC uh, playoffs. And they thought they saw, they saw a guy who had remarkable plays, who could deliver victories, at, who could make plays at the exact right plays at the right time. And he did do that against the Colts, but again, that's the Colts. That's a bad defense. He's been exposed this year. Defense, the book is out on him, and defenses have read it mostly perfectly. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, do you think he remains the starter uh, through the season and into next season? It's very tough because the tech, uh, his contract, uh, uh, his contract guaranteed him thirty-seven million dollars over two years at signing. So that means uh, he's going to be paid another eighteen or so million dollars next year. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, because of that investment, they're going to, they might have to seek or swim with him, but if he continues down this path, then they might have to consider, uh, uh, giving Tom Savage a look. Mm-hmm. Well, we will wait and see on that. Yes, we shall. And, uh, and once again, Chris Broadhead, ladies and gentlemen, the man in the box for joining the show. And before we go today, I want to, I have one pressing question. What is intriguing about the NFL right now is I don't think there is a clear favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. You look at all the teams, they have weaknesses that make you worry. The Patriots, yes, you got the best quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, but you lose Gronk, a major part of that offense, and the, your defense is just average at best this year. You have uh, you have the Cowboys, who have the best offensive line in football, but their defense, their especially their lack of a pass rush, gives me pause. And the Raiders, uh, their lack of a their horrible pass defense, a Jack Del Rio's, Del Rio's vanilla uh, defensive schemings, give me some pause as well about about their chances. And the Seahawks, obviously, the offensive line and injury to Earl Thomas. And but but now we we, we talked about the Kansas. How about the Detroit Lions? They are eight and four. Matthew, they have came back from fourth-quarter deficits in seven of those eight wins, and their defense shut down Drew Brees in the Superdome yesterday. And Matthew Stafford, if you look his uh, numbers statistically, they're pretty identical with Derek Carr. He's quietly having an MVP caliber season, too. So you got the Lions and the Chiefs as well in that picture. This thing looks like it's up for grabs right now. Do you really think there's a clear favorite? I personally don't. Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, you can never count the Pats out. Um, of course, I, I I wasn't saying that. Uh, yeah. uh, but but they do have some shortfalls right now that make me concerned. If they have to, 
go on the road in the playoffs, and that remains a possibility if they have to go to Arrowhead or uh, Oakland and Alameda Coliseum to to, to play the Raiders. Uh, they uh, it, it, it it's of concern. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So who who do you think has the the best chance to win? It's a toss up right now, in my opinion, but. I would say the Patriots and Cowboys appear to be the favorites at this moment. But like I said, they have shortfalls. They do, do not count out uh, Kansas City. I wouldn't count out Detroit. I definitely would not count out Seattle. I obviously wouldn't count out Pittsburgh if they get hot towards the end with that offense. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I totally agree. Those, those are the teams that uh, seem to scare me the most. Uh, most definitely. And uh, that does it for this week's uh, recap around the NFL. And Chris Broadhead, we thank you for joining the program, Chris, and uh, we hope to have you again sometime soon. Yeah, my pleasure. This was a blast. It was a blast, and it's always a blast talking football with you, everybody. And we will be back on the air once again next week. I am David Cromwell here on Sports Crunch with D. Crom, and we're signing out saying stay cool, everybody. (laughs) 